Hey, Sam. Hey, Bev. How's it going? It is going great because it's not polar vortexing anymore. Oh, my gosh. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's always a good sign, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It says it is 49 degrees here today, which mm. is crazy. I think it might edge up close to 60 here. It's pretty warm. Yeah, I was outside in my, I'm wearing a tank top and a flannel with the sleeves rolled and I was fine. Did you start dreaming about your garden or just outdoor activities? Because I did with it just being 49. (laughs) Yeah, I did. And in fact, I went over to my garden because there's like a bunch of kale and um, lettuce in there that I need to get out so Mm. that I can cover it and start working on like soil amendments for the spring. But unfortunately, the garden beds are still frozen solid, even though it's so nice out. Uh, yeah. So can't do anything yet. Uh, but I did go dig in my compost pile, and there is compost ready to be put on the garden. Ooh, nice. That's not frozen solid. So there's that. It's, you know, it's all about the small wins. Yep, especially this time of year. But what are you drinking over there? So I got a wine shipment during the polar vortex, and this was at one point kind of a slushy. Um, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> yeah, and I'm gonna try to say this. I think it's Futitini, Futitini, <laughs> um, and it is a 2017 Zibibo, which I was like, "What the hell is a Zibibo?" Um, so I, I did have to Google that because I'd never had one before. And let me share with you what it is. The Zibibo is also known as Muscat of Alexandria. It's a white grape variety member of the Muscat family, which I believe is like Muscato. I would um, think so. Yeah. It, and it's specifically from the city of Alexandria, hence the name. And it's widely planted in the Mediterranean basin. So this is an Italian wine. Um, It's a very citrusy, um, fruity kind of beverage. And futatini is a term used in Sicily to mean take it easy and don't let the little things bother you, Um, which I totally need that to remind myself that in my life. So maybe once I'm done with this, I'll just rip the label off and put it on my laptop or something. (laughs) I like that. That's where you can just yell at me, (laughs) Fudatini. Hashtag Fudatini. Wouldn't it be crazy though if they were like, nope, Moscato wine comes from like the Frank grape, not the Muscat grape family? That would be annoying. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, this is very good, very light, um, easy drinking. And unfortunately, I did pour most of it in my glass before I got on here because I'm still measuring my alcohol. So, hopefully, (laughs) drinking responsibly. Uh, But, anyways, what are you drinking over there? So, I am drinking a beer called Cover Crop. Ooh. And it is a collaboration between North High Brewing, which is in Columbus, and the Ohio Farm Bureau. Oh, fun. Yeah. So this beer is made with Ohio malt and hops, which is pretty cool. And it says on the back that it's celebrating 100 years of Ohio Farm Bureau's grassroots efforts 
to positively impact agriculture through advocacy, supporting young farmers, promoting local food, and protecting farmland. That is amazing. You find the coolest beers. Yeah, I found this one because my local speakeasy, which is called Steiner Speakeasy, uh, Tara, she posted a picture of it on her Instagram, like holding the can. And we were there on Friday. So my husband bought me a couple cans of it to bring Mm -hmm. home so that uh, I could drink it on the podcast because I was like, hey, the Farm Bureau beer is definitely one that should be drank on the podcast. Yes. (laughs) Cheers to that. (laughs) I've been like hearing this sound. And I realized it's the can because I'm actually drinking it out of the can. Um, so sorry, there might be some extra background noise in this episode. <laughs> Our drinking habits can be noisy. <laughs> right. Well, I'm putting it inside the koozie now that oh. says beer is my Valentine, which oh, was sent yes. to us by uh, Jessica for Saturday Lime. So. so thank you for that, Jessica. I got that yeah. as well. But I am <laughs> drinking my wine out of the word off the dicks with all the positive vibes mug. <laughs> that you can find on drinkandfarmmerch.com. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. Uh, that's Bev over there. <laughs> and that's Sam over there. <laughs> and this is the Farm Comedy Podcast where we drink adult beverages, talk about farming things, and give zero clucks about having the perfect farm life. Yeah, not that we don't want our farms to be full of good things all the time, but the realities of farm life aren't always rainbows and sunshine. Nope, and we both make a shit ton of mistakes, and then we come on here and tell you all about them. Yeah, we like to keep it real with you and have discussions that we think are filled with new knowledge that you may or may not already have, but we definitely don't have it, (laughs) Um, entertainment, and sometimes we go off on tangents. Speaking of tangents, we record our tangents and stick them up on Patreon. So we did record a BS session on Patreon. It is up there. You can check it out at patreon.com slash drink and farm. And that is free to anybody that goes over there and listens to it. Yeah, even if you aren't a current patron. But if you aren't yet, it's definitely time to join it because we're going to be sending out our little gifty in April if you are a patron at the $5 level or above. So get in on that now because Sam and I just like locked down what it's going to be and it's going to be awesome. It's really cute. You guys yeah, are going to love it. <laughs> you don't want to miss it. And it's good for the guys too. We say cute, but like I think guys would like it as well. I call a lot of things cute. <laughs> <laughs> And I try to be careful with that because, you know, I don't want to call my husband cute if he doesn't like that. But I do anyways. It's like, your beard is so cute. It doesn't really map like manly beard to cute, but that's what I say. So Yeah. Well, um, and speaking of the Patreon, our drinks this episode are sponsored by Jessica Hawkins, which is at It's Just the Hot Mess on Instagram. So cheers, lady. Yes, thank you so much for supporting our drinking and farming. Yeah. <laughs> so I I don't think we have any follow-up or corrections from last week, do we? So I realized I didn't put it in here, but I did want to have just like a tiny bit of follow-up about uh, the open letter that we read last week. Oh, okay. Yeah, when I was listening to it, I realized that maybe I was being a bit of a dream killer. <laughs> and I didn't mean to be. <laughs> 
Um, You're so hard on yourself. But I, I can am. see how the context of that could be like dream killer. Yeah. yeah and that, and that wasn't what I was trying to say. I was more trying to protect people um, from having unrealistic expectations. Mm. Like about how far some of that like, you know, self-helpy type of stuff can really take you. Mm-hmm. Like it takes a ton of work to make money on a hobby farm. So uh-huh. I just want people to know that you can make money on a hobby farm, but be careful of anybody who's telling you that you can make enough money to quit your job, like breeding rabbits or something. Yeah. So it's just, just be realistic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I kind of felt like that letter was more like dream enabling because it sets you free from you know, feeling like you have to justify monetarily your your goals in order to achieve your dreams. Like, I mean, one day I'd like to have reindeer or and or emus, but I don't know exactly how I would monetize that right away because I could be like, ooh, emu meat. But am I really going to want to, like, wrangle an emu and, like, process it? Probably not. I yeah. probably just want to hug it. So... You know, if anything, I think it's just kind of giving people the freedom to do things and not have to explain themselves. Yeah. And that was how I took it, too, when I first read it. It was just like, you know, because I get to listen to it multiple times while I'm editing. Yeah. So, like, the fifth time I heard, like, that semi-sarcastic and angry tone in my voice about, (laughs) you know, like, people preying on people looking for some sort of you know, like help to mm-hmm. make the the hobby farming into like a real sustainable income because I got really annoyed by I get annoyed by people who aren't being fully like honest about what it really takes to do yeah, some of this yeah. stuff. And I yeah. don't mean to be like that mean about it. And I was like, that wasn't what I meant. I just sort of was I wanted I wanted people to to have permission to to do it without making money if they had the means to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I knew what you meant listening to you, but maybe that just means I'm equally as sassy. So. <laughs> well, you know me really well, but like yeah, a first true. time listener that is really trying to make money on their hobby farm, like would have heard that and been like, these ladies are crazy. I make money on my hobby farm. But yeah, but yeah. if they just give up on us after one listen, they're not our people. And that's true. That's true. Fair enough. But we hope you stay around if you're brand new. You're probably like, what are these bitches talking about right now? <laughs> right? Yeah, listen yeah. to the last episode and you'll get it. Yeah, we try not to do too much follow-up on previous episodes because each episode kind of needs to stand on its own. But I felt like that had to be said. And oddly enough, I got a message before that episode had even dropped asking me how to make money with goats. Aw. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just told them that I don't make money with my goats, but that we talked to Erica the goat chick about the kind of money that you can make mm-hmm. using Nigerian dwarf goats um, on our mini-sode episode, which is drink and make goats. Yes. You should go check that out if you haven't. That was a really fun interview. And yeah, I can't really wait was. to meet her at Coop Camp. That's going to be so fun. So I think we can jump into our regularly scheduled episode. Yeah, we sure can. Um, raise your hand if you survived the polar vortex last week. I'm raising my hand really high. But, but nobody can see, see us. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> I realized that after I did it. I was like, no, this is a podcast, not a YouTube channel. <laughs> but I thought it would be fun for us to talk about, you know, the biggest takeaways or lessons learned that we both had from the polar vortex and talk about how cold it actually got since we're both in the Midwest, but you know, we're like four and a half, five hours apart. Um, it's amazing. Like that small bit of geography can make such a change in temperature, just like it's only 49 here, but it's closer to 60 at Bev's. Um, so I thought it'd be interesting to talk about that and, you know, um, Maybe see if other people want to send us their little farm stories from the polar vortex weekend as well. Or I shouldn't call it a weekend. Jeez. Week. I mean, it was kind (laughs) of a weekend because my kids have been out of school since they got off the bus on Tuesday. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. People had their kids almost the whole week up here. Or at least like Friday they got a break and they went back to school. It was crazy crazy but anyways what was your biggest takeaways or lessons learned from last week and how cold did it actually get so our coldest that i saw was a negative 25 degree wind chill okay which is super cold for me because i'm from Mm. the desert (laughs) (laughs) yes and the lowest actual was like only around negative 10 okay which is still really cold for this area i'm in southern ohio so Uh we have pretty mild winters compared to like you know you guys up closer like to the northern area of the united states um but i was ridiculously worried about the animals i did not let it show online but i have like pretty ridiculous anxiety as well so it only makes sense that it would translate to taking care of animals. So I was really worried. And in fact, I like hardly slept on Tuesday night because I was expecting Aww. to walk out and have everybody be frozen solid when I went out there, <laughs> which is an awful, awful thought. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I worried about our safety, too. I was kind of glad that the kids were home because I was telling Jared I was afraid that like Aurora was going to wander out of like the school building and then not be able to get back in and freeze outside. <laughs> Oh, which is a stupid thing to worry about as well. But not really, right? Because sometimes kids think things are a good idea when they're just not. Yeah. I mean, just like animals sometimes think things are a good idea when they're really not. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. (laughs) But it turned out like everything was fine. When I went out there on Wednesday morning, um, the chicken's water was kind of frozen. So I just like chipped the ice out and poured some hot water on it and it was fine. And uh, the temperature stayed pretty steady in the coop. It was between 14 and like 27-ish the whole nice. time with only like 18 or 15% humidity. So it was dry and it was a reasonable cold. So like as soon as I saw that, I was like, all right, I can stop worrying because this is mm-hmm. our coldest day right now. So this means that this is okay. And I went in, the goats were fine. The goats could not have cared less. Um, but I did keep them in the barn because <laughs> I was worried about frostbite. I didn't want them wandering out onto the pasture when the wind was blowing really hard. Mm-hmm. So I kept them inside their barn stall with all the doors, you know, like closed and locked so that there were no drafts or anything. Um, and they fared just fine also. Um, but like my biggest takeaway from it was that I need to stop worrying like so much about them because animals – they're really hardy. Like as long as they're not sick or a baby 
or some sort of like specialty or tropical breed, you know, like obviously like naked chicken breeds or, you know, or like like flamingos. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, they're just not made for stuff like this, but like most chickens are. Mm -hmm. Um, So my biggest takeaway was just like to let them be and they're fine. I did lock the coop too. I didn't let them go in the run because my chickens were kind of dumb last year and they kept wandering around like outside (laughs) when it was really, really cold. And I was Mm -hmm. positive that they were going to like lose Holcombs and Waddles if I let them do that. So I closed their chicken doors. They were cooped up for like three days. Same with the goats. Goats were cooped up for three days too. I kept everybody inside Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday and then let them out on Friday. But yeah, extra feed, extra straw, safe, draft-free shelter. That's all animals needed. And I, I feel like I gained some confidence because of that. Good. Yeah. I mean, I was sure that I was going to lose my nose every time I went out there. So <laughs> I only went out twice a day. And I probably should have checked on them more since I was so worried. But I was also worried about myself. So <laughs> Right. <laughs> like, right. You have to strike a balance. Yeah. And I feel like I struck a pretty good one. Um, but what about you? Like, what were your temperatures and what were your takeaways from the Polar Vortex 2019? So I can't remember, like, what the lowest actual was, but the wind chill was, like, at its worst was just over, like, negative 40. Oh, my gosh. That's insane. Bananas. <laughs> um, so... Luckily, like I said, I was home all week, but my husband's home right now, and he was the one that braved the wind and chill and all that fun stuff um, on, like, the worst days, and I'd ask him for help, but he'd kind of just ignore me. Um, (laughs) He's stubborn (laughs) like that. Um, But yeah, uh, I think a really good takeaway was that, you know, because Matt was going in and out of the house so often um, to figure out the waterers and we ended up just doing like a waterer rotation because we have so many around, um, just lying around. Um, And really, they just need one like that isn't frozen. So we started rotating them, but he also found this really great heater uh, when he was at Tractor Supply. Um, But you can get it on Amazon as well, and we'll link it to the show notes. But he found this. It's called, like, a Farm Innovators Ice Chaser Multi-Use Utility De-Icer. So you can use it, like, for any livestock, and it's good for up to, like, 25 gallons, I think is the one we got. So he got one for one of the waterers in the coop, and then he also got one for the Calduck Pond. Um, It is not cheap. I think it's, like, $35, $40, but... It's definitely worth the investment if you can't be home in extreme weather and you're worried that your chickens aren't going to have water. Um, It's definitely worth the investment, in my opinion, because like the fish tank heaters do well only for so long. (laughs) But this did not um, freeze over. Um, And the call ducks actually live outside. And we have, I think, like three sides, like with the plastic around it. So there's still like cold air getting in there, obviously. Um, and that didn't freeze over either. Um, so I definitely recommend that. And then, um, I'm also just super grateful that my goats weren't bred a month earlier because then they would have been giving birth during the polar vortex and that would have been super scary. Um, but overall, I think I just learned or confirmed in my own brain that, you know, animals that have food, water, and a draft 
free environment are total badasses and they're so tough. And the goat shivered a little bit, but like we learned a couple of episodes ago when we talked about keeping goats warm, that's not necessarily a bad sign. It means they're acclimating, acclimating. Yeah. It means they're acclimating to the weather. So as long as it didn't get too bad or it wasn't something I was seeing constantly, um, I felt pretty good about it. But yeah, so I'm just overall grateful for my husband for, you know, forcing me to stay inside and keep working <laughs> as he braved the coldest days. Um, I was also stubborn back and went out a few times, even though he told me not to, uh, just because I didn't want him doing it all by himself. So yeah, I think it was really good. Um, but I do want to point out, like, it wasn't a perfect experience because we have some chickens that have larger combs and waddles that did not fare too well because they got frostbite. And I saw this in the group a couple of times. And I just wanted to talk about ways to treat it, how to know that a chicken has it, and ways to prevent it. Um, I had one chicken last year, Rooster Boost, our little mascot, um, he lost all of his points to frostbite last year. And, um, unfortunately I think we're going to have a, another rooster. He's not looking too hot on his combs and waddles right now, <laughs> but he's still eating and drinking and alert and hanging out with everybody. So I think he'll get through it. You just might have some battle scars. So I thought it would not necessarily be fun to talk about frostbite, but maybe timely to talk about frostbite. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I totally agree that it's a it's going to be timely. Um, yeah, one of the things I totally forgot to mention this. Yeah, the temperature in my coop was probably because of the deep litter method. But the deep litter method can tend to create a lot of humidity depending on where you live. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the wind chill was just so cold. That was why I didn't get a lot of humidity in my coop. So I didn't end up with very much frostbite. We have like a couple points. Um, my rooster, Stephen Ray yeah. Morris, he has the frostbite the worst. And it's like three points just like the very end. In fact, I haven't treated it on anybody. It's so mild this year. But that was not our case last year. We had a lot of frostbite last year. So... Yeah, and I think we should start this talk off with saying that we are not shaming anybody. Um, Frostbite happens so quickly, and you can do everything you can to prevent it, and it can still happen. We are, like I said, we're not shaming anybody. I'm trying not to shame myself, because last year, um, I think what attributed to some of Rooster Boost's um, frostbite was that we have these overhead nipple waters, and depending on how the chicken drinks and if they're kind of a moron and stand under it um, for too long, like Diablo did. Luckily, he has no frostbite, but his feathers were frozen. So he got to come inside and crow his head off in my bathroom for a couple days. Fun. (laughs) But yeah. (laughs) But our jungle fowl, George, has insanely huge waddles and comb. Wait, you named your jungle fowl George? Well, duh. (laughs) I'm sorry. I had not known that. (laughs) George of the jungle. Yeah. So George of the jungle, clearly not made for this weather. Yeah. But he'll, I watched him stand under the water and drink and he hits the nipple so hard that, yeah, he's getting a drink, but it's also running down his waddles. So 
they were cold and frozen, but then his he has points on his head that are like kind of hot to the touch and a little bloody. So we did kind of an alternating between blue coat and Betrison on him as like a little spoiler for how to handle this stuff. Um, but there sometimes chickens just do whatever the hell they want, and no matter how much you try to control their environment, stuff's gonna happen. So I just wanted to preface this. Yeah, I think with it was that. only dumb luck. We didn't end up with it this year. I mean, like, the deep litter method is the only thing we're doing different this year than last year. So our coop is warmer than it was last year, but not a ton, just by, like, a few degrees. Um, But, yeah, I have no idea why mine didn't get frostbite. It's not because I'm awesome or anything. I think it was just dumb luck. And they didn't stand by any drafts, perhaps. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Our coop is, like like Fort Knox like it is not drafty I think it was just cold so cold and the way he was drinking because he's kind of an idiot yeah um and I hope nobody's insulted by me calling him an idiot I'm the reason I am saying it that way is because you can't control an animal you can't make (laughs) him drink a certain way no no so I am thinking through like next year you know maybe not having an overhead waterer you know maybe but he could still like throw his whole waddle into the water anyways so you can't because it's huge it's just not something you can necessarily prevent for that kind of breed of bird yeah i've seen my chickens jump off the roost bar into the waterer oh just so i they're don't diving. know what they were aiming for they were diving yeah yes. i mean like <laughs> chickens are smart in so many ways and then they're just so dumb in so many ways <laughs> yeah we're not bashing chickens we're just trying to help everybody realize that just because your flock has frostbite it's not your necessarily your fault, and it's okay. A lot of backyard chicken keepers have frostbite in their flock. Yeah. So I'm gonna break this down into a couple of different like sections. So first of all, how does it happen? So frostbite occurs when fluid freezes in the cells of a chicken's comb, waddles, or toes, which deprives the tissue oxygen. Um, And after a short period of that being frozen, um, the affected part can recover or um, if it does not thaw soon enough, the cells may die and perhaps become infected. So because it was so damn cold this week, the chickens didn't really get a chance to like thaw out. And unfortunately, my garage wasn't much warmer. I didn't have a crate big enough to bring George in the house. Um, so, and I felt it's kind of scary too, when you bring a, a, an animal from negative 40 degree wind chill into a house that's 65 degrees, like the, the negative impact that could have when you bring them in and then take them back out. It's something you have to kind of weigh the risk for. Yeah. It can really shock the system. Right. Is it better just to let them stay out there and see how it goes? Or is it better to bring them in and then back out? So I went with the approach of just leave him out there. He's going to kind of have to tough it out and we'll see how it goes, which you have to do what you're comfortable with. I wouldn't necessarily say I was comfortable with that, but it was really my only option and to just check on him and spray blue coat on anything that did open up or vetricin on anything that just looked like painful, I guess you could say. Yeah. So some signs of 
frostbite include appearance of pale gray or white tips on the comb around the edges of the wattle. And then for frostbitten feet and toes, it usually looks kind of red, which to me, it's kind of hard to tell with the toes and the feet right off the bat because sometimes chickens just kind of have reddish looking toes. Yeah. Um, but the <clears throat> the frostbitten comb waddles or toes will swell and within a day or so, that's when you're going to notice the blistering. So severe frostbite results in blackening of the comb tips, edges of waddles, patches on feet. That's what Rooster Boost had last year. It started off as like the pale color and then it just looked kind of black and dead. Oh, something else to keep an eye on. The affected chicken may lose interest in eating or other normal activities, which can indicate that the chicken is in pain. So I didn't really see that out of George when I was in the coop with him. He was running around like a crazy rooster the whole time he was eating. I saw him drinking and kind of perpetuating his waddle issues. (laughs) But um, he seemed fine and that made me feel a little more secure in the idea of just keeping him out there but keeping an eye on it. So you might be saying to yourself, what the hell can I do? If you do discover that the waddle or the comb or the feet is still frozen, um, you want to slowly warm up that frozen area. You do not want to use the a heat lamp, heating pad, or any form of direct heat um, that would warm rapidly. Um, that includes a blow dryer. It might be super tempting to jump in and try to make him or her as warm as possible, as quickly as possible, but don't do that. Um, You also do not want to rub the affected area because that could increase the damage. Um, For the feet, if you notice frostbite on the feet, you can place the foot in warm water at 100 degrees Fahrenheit for 20 minutes. And to thaw a frozen comb or waddle, gently apply a damp warm cloth to the frozen part for 15 minutes and rewarm that cloth as needed. Um, But after it's thawed, you can apply a hydrogel water-based wound treatment. Uh, We use Vetresin here. Um, We've also mentioned Blue Coat because you can easily easily spray that, um, I don't know, what would you call it, medication? Yeah, like disinfectant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You can easily spray that and it doesn't put any pressure on the affected part. My birds still, like, don't like it when you spray things at them. (laughs) They, like, wiggle their head around. So with blue coat, you got to be careful because you can spray their comb and then, you know, lean back when you do that because they might wiggle their head and get blue coat all over your face. Which would suck because it would be there for several days. Yes. Yes. It's bad enough when you get it on your hands. You don't want it on your face. (laughs) So it's also a good idea, if you can, to isolate the bird in a clean, warm facility and keep an eye on the wounds and make sure it heals properly. Um, and if you can, you can say, you can tell, I'm trying to cater to everyone because it's not necessarily that you can just automatically do this sort of stuff. So um, if you can, choose a feeder or waterer that won't rub against the affected part. And if the feet are involved, it's a good idea to try to provide some soft bedding um, for their little feet. And if it's necessary, protect their toes with some vet wrap. Just be careful with that if there's open wounds because you don't want it to heal into the wound. 
Yeah. And, you know, um, I'm glad that you mentioned the spraying something on the um, frostbite. I realized in the group I had mentioned that we use a green goo or I've got a couple of other um, like salve style disinfectants. Mm. And I love those for a lot of things. I used them on um, frostbite last year because I didn't know any better. But rubbing the areas that are affected with frostbite is going to increase your chicken's pain. So if you have something that can be sprayed on, that's best. Um, but like, if you don't, then you got to kind of do what you got to do. But um, right, right, exactly. Just just be gentle. Yeah, real <laughs> gentle, real, real gentle. Yeah. Um, because it's hard not to go into panic mode if you see that your chicken's in pain and you just want to do the best that you can for them. So just be careful. Um, and then after your chicken, you know, has had its vetricin or blue coat or whatever you put on it and it's just chilling out, this does progress into different stages. So after the swelling does go down, the skin might peel, it might itch in that area, and it can be even more sensitive to cold for a while. It might turn scabby, develop blisters, turn black as the tissue dies, which is a dry gangrene, um, which sounds kind of scary, but it's just part of the process. And it'll eventually just fall off. Um, this will result in permanent disfigurement. So that's why Rooster Boost doesn't have his points anymore. But he's still a perfectly happy little rooster um, terrorizing the yard. Which is good. Yeah, it just didn't disfigure his personality. Um, just, <laughs> just, just comb. <laughs> um, do not be tempted to pop the blisters or remove the blackened tissue. Um, it's going to heal on its own. You just All you need to do is leave it, leave it alone. Because if you're not careful, you can get an infection with wet gangrene, which can be very serious and even life-threatening. Um, and a sign of that infection is a really bad smelling fluid leaking from the wound that isn't healing. Uh, you want to make sure to prevent the spread of infection, that the affected part may be, um, well, you might have to get it surgically removed, which would require the attention of a vet or another person that has successfully performed that procedure before. I don't recommend you trying to go in and do it. Um, this is not a YouTube moment. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, just remember that frostbite is very painful um, and can cause disfigured comb and waddles. And and the chicken could even lose toes if it's on their feet. Um, frostbite in a rooster can actually mean reduced fertility. And in a hen, it can reduce egg laying. So it is something that you want to keep an eye on. Um, but it's not like you can 100% prevent that. However, we will go over some points of how you can go about preventing it. Yeah, and that's not to say that these will, like, work every time. Right. But something I think you mentioned last week when we recorded, or maybe I just dreamed it. I can't remember. Um you said you went into your coop and you looked at your chickens and there was one that had frostbite and you said, oh, well, maybe you're just not built for this kind of weather. If we add to the flock, maybe we'll go with a breed that doesn't have as large combs and wattles. Yeah, because like I have several breeds that have pea combs um, or the hens have pea combs. Something I've noticed is um, even a breed that has a pea comb, the roosters still tend to have pretty flashy combs and wattles. 
They're just so fancy. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how they like show their virility, right? Yeah. They have to like flop them around and do the dance or the <laughs> ladies won't do it with them. Yeah. <laughs> and even then, sometimes the ladies are just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like, Meh. not impressed. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, the easiest way to prevent frostbite in your flock is to choose a breed that is built for the cold. Um, so like a tight fitting headgear is what they called it. Um, and you should select a breed with cushion rose or walnut comb. Again, they can still get a little bit on them. Um, but you're less likely to have complications with frostbite if your comb and wattles are just smaller in general. Yeah. I mean, obviously they have less surface to be exposed to the comb or, or exposed to the comb, exposed to the cold. <laughs> you know what I was saying? Um, yeah. And less surface area for the water to cling to when they're drinking and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. So I've noticed because I have such a variety in my flock that everybody that kind of has that smaller set, like headgear on their face, I guess you could say, um, they're perfectly fine. It's just the ones that have that larger comb and waddles, which is so fun to look at. And I don't know, I play with my rooster's waddles all the time because it's super entertaining. Um, but now... Is that like motorboating a rooster? Like, boom. I think so. I mean, I don't do that with my mouth. No. Salmonella. <laughs> Yuck. But... <laughs> but it's kind of fun to be like wobble, do wobble, wobble, wobble. Yeah. Wobble. <laughs> okay. A peek into Sam's life. Um Another thing to consider, and we kind of already talked about this, was your shelter um, and just your setup in general of how you clean your coop. Um, Chickens sleeping on properly constructed roosts can keep their feet warm by covering their feet with their feathered breasts. Um, Installing some roosts closer to the coop ceiling is beneficial, but my coop is like super high, um, so I can't really do that for them. Um, but that's an option for you. Um, you also want to try to control the humidity in the coop, um, during cold winter months outside, it might be like pretty low humidity, but inside because there's damp litter, fresh droppings, they're breathing in there. Um, and if they're spending more time indoors because it is cold, the humidity can go up pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, because they're pooping more in there yeah. so there's automatically more moisture and then when they breathe out too they're creating more moisture in the air yeah so I went in there yesterday and looked under the roost and I was like holy shit like literally <laughs> like, there is so much because they were roosting to keep themselves warm and then they were just shitting all day yep so that is that is the thing um there, so you, you do want to keep try to keep the litter dry, um, protect the open doors from blowing rain and snow. Deep litter that's stirred and topped off frequently will more readily absorb the moisture for fresh droppings. So deep litter, that. So deep litter method is an option, and that's what Bab uses. Um, yeah, and also, I sprinkle some lime on there too from First Saturday Lime to cut down the ammonia and help dry oh, it out yeah. a little sooner. So the lime and then a fresh coat of straw every during the polar vortex. I was doing it daily because there was oh, good so move. much, so much poop from three days inside <laughs> the coop. But yeah, um, another option, and this is something I actually talked to my husband about a couple times is putting in a droppings board 
that you can frequently scrape off to, you know, take the fresh poop off of. Also, we've talked about putting like a tarp or something under there with some um, carabiners because people actually buy chicken shit um, and put it in their garden. So if you're looking for a little money-making way to utilize your chicken's poop, you can always put up a sign on the road that says you have chicken poop. Um, yeah, that won't replace your it. job or anything, but it's no. fun, a fun side gig. <laughs> yeah, and it's a way for you to just get rid of your shit and not be mad about your chickens pooping all over the place. That's true. Um, but yeah, so your coop will m- remain drier if your chickens are motivated to go outside. Now, obviously, Bev and I both kept our chickens locked up during the worst part of the vortex. <laughs> But it's good to encourage them to go outside when they can. Um, and, and if your run is covered and is bedded with straw or shavings outside, um, they can go outside and play in that. But they're, they're, they're going to do what they want. They might want to stay indoors anyways. Um, another thing that seemed kind of like weird, but it's something that I knew at the same time, was that you need to keep your chickens hydrated. Um So making sure they are drinking water is also important frostbite prevention because hydration allows the chicken's body to maintain good blood flow to the combs and wattles to help keep the extremities warm. So I feel like George was kind of not doing himself any favors, you know, when he was chugging water, but also getting it all over his comb and then, you know, or excuse me, all over his wattles. And then he's shaking his waddles, which are huge, and they're, like, slapping his comb because they're that big, um, <laughs> which is That's probably quite big. visual. Yeah. You know, then he's getting water on his comb, too. Um, I'll have to take a picture for you, Bev, and send it to you. He's covered in blue coat right now, so it's real cute. Um, but, you know, so he wasn't doing himself any favors by getting everything all wet, but he was doing the best he could with his circumstances. Um, and kind of like we talked before too, um, during the winter months, you can use like a water fount base heater or the heater that I talked about earlier. Make sure your chickens are getting warm water a couple times a day because this will help them stay warm. Um, in the articles that I did my research in, they did talk about the small cup watering system or the nipple waterers. I use the above head nipple waters and that's caused some of the problem. I've also used the small cup one and those did not last in the polar vortex. Um, you just got to do the best you can with what you have. Yeah. I use like a light bulb screwed into a base under a cinder block with like a cap on it that my metal water sits on top of. Mm-hmm. Um, and that worked out Okay. It wasn't, like, perfect, but I just had to chip ice off of it every morning and every evening. That's not too bad, Um, though. Yeah, no, it wasn't too bad at all. Uh, But for the most part, like, they had access to water all the time through that. So I'm I'm relatively impressed with it. If it had been outside, though, that would have been a different story because the wind chill would have been hitting it. Um, But inside the coop, it worked okay, which I mean, water inside the coop is also like a big no-no to keeping the humidity down. But um, I didn't I don't want a light bulb outside 
um, and my run. Mm, mm-hmm. I, I have still have not winterized my run. I didn't last year, and I did not get around to it this year. Um, maybe <laughs> next year I'll have maybe. it done. I'm, we don't pretend to be perfect chicken keepers. We just no. do our best. We have our run wrapped in plastic, but we have no door to get into our run. Oh. Because... That's we right. built that run like a year ago and it didn't go so well when we built it, but it's like good enough. And then we're like, yeah, we're going to rebuild it last summer. And that didn't happen. So it for sure needs to happen this year <laughs> because I want a door and then I'd like to try to keep the water out. Yeah. And then in extreme temperatures, bring it in if I absolutely have to. But like you said, we don't have our shit together all the time and that's okay. We're just doing the best that we can. And if people judge us for that, then that's on that. I mean, so. we give zero clucks about that. So exactly, <laughs> we are warding off the dicks with all the positive vibes. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I mean, and the the whole like uh, winterizing the run thing and water in or out, like some of that stuff. If you waited until you could do everything perfect, you'd never pull the trigger. Or at least I right. wouldn't, because there's always no. something new coming along, right? Like, that's part of being open to, like, hearing new information and getting new information without automatically assuming that that information is attacking you. It gives you the opportunity to, like, grow and learn and do better. Um, and uh, if you are just trying to do everything perfect before you actually get your chickens, then you, you never get chickens because <laughs> something new right. is coming along all the time. There, I just repeated myself a bunch of times. <laughs> <laughs> You're just hitting the message home. That's yeah, all. point made. <laughs> um, something else I saw in the group too, and I think is interesting and worth mentioning, is that you can at night um, take the measure of coating combs and wattles with petroleum jelly, aka Vaseline, um, to prevent frostbite. Um, depending on how low the temperature goes and for how long. So, coating works in three ways. It helps conserve heat. It insulates the tissue from moisture and can prevent freezing. And it it freezes at a slightly lower temperature than cell fluid in the coma waddles and therefore protects these parts from freezing at temperatures hovering around the freezing point. It's important to know that if the temperature dips below the freezing point, which is 32 degrees Fahrenheit for us Americans, um, <laughs> I don't know what that is in Celsius for everybody else. So I think it might be zero, zero. Celsius um, because like everyone else uses Celsius except yeah. us Americans. So like zero would be sort of an Burr. obvious like temperature to make as your freezing point, right? Yeah, <laughs> I think it is. I think it is. But if you know what freezing is where you live, I trust that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hopefully. But if it's, if it's going to be under the freezing point for a prolonged period of time, petroleum jelly can actually freeze. Which would make and it And when worse. that happens, yeah. yeah, it doesn't prevent it. Um, when temperatures remain low for a prolonged period of time, um those measures are insufficient. You can end up using like the flat panel radiant heater that we've talked about a few times. Just make it an option. That way your flock can go hang out by it if it wants to, but don't make them like that. That's their only option. So there you have it. Drink and farm educates on frostbite (laughs) in a very roundabout way. (laughs) 
and you know, um, I there was a lot of talk about the flat panel heaters um, in the group for the polar vortex. Like, so one thing that is really important to remind everybody, like the polar vortex type of temperatures that we got, this was supposed to be a once in a generation storm. Now, yes. whether that holds true or not, because of the insane things that are happening to our climate, I mean, obviously we have no idea. Um, right. We could go into another ice age. You don't know. It wouldn't be the first time that we're yeah. <laughs> the world's had an ice age. I mean, probably <laughs> not in our lifetime because, like, you know, those things tend to happen slowly over time. They take time. Yeah. yeah. It's not like we just, like, wake up tomorrow and everything's frozen permanently. <laughs> God, I hope not. That would suck. Oh, that would be terrible. <laughs> we would all starve to death. No more food. Um, but... Yeah, um, but having those sort of things on hand, you have to decide what makes you feel better, right? Yeah. Um, like, you didn't use any type of heat in your coop, right? Um, In the chicken tractor, Betty White and her baby have the um, flat panel in there. Oh, yeah, but they have there are babies in there, so that's different. But like for, like, She's the coop. She's, like, right. fully feathered now, though, so she'd probably be fine, but it just made me feel better. Yeah. But in the main coop area and in the small coops in the barn, um, all we did was, like, um, in the barn, we just put hay bales where it might be drafty, and that's it. And they were fine. Yeah. They were little champions out there. Um, yeah, and I didn't use any type of heat in my coop whatsoever either. Um, so chickens are pretty cold hardy for the most part. Yeah. And, but I do have a flat panel on hand. So if I got like super terrified, I, I could go put something up really quickly. Um, but I ended up not having to use it. So um, yeah. you have to decide what 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 makes you feel most comfortable. I saw that somebody brought, like, their chickens in their, like, mud room, and there was, like, hay all over the place, yeah. and I'm like, you know what? If that makes you feel better, I'm sure your chickens are just loving it and living their best life. You might as well just, yep, have at it. Yeah. No judgment. Well, she said it was her unheated mud room. Yeah, and it was funny. I saw that after, like, seeing i finally got accepted into that big chicken group i can't even remember what it's oh, called it doesn't matter chicken keeping 101 yeah i got <laughs> accepted into that but basically my facebook feed has now become like chicken mean girls so i'm gonna have to leave that group <laughs> <laughs> yeah people can kind of be assholes in there but i learned some stuff yeah if you just weed through it but but like if you don't want to see that stuff in your newsfeed, then yeah yeah maybe i'll just ignore it for a little while and then go check it out when i want to go see what's being posted but it's basically been like the same things over and over again um but like you mentioned uh somewhere where it's not so warm like such a such a warmth difference then the outside temperature is best and she said hers was her unheated mudroom um i know brad from coop dreams put his in his garage which was around the same temperature as outside it just didn't yeah. have the drafts yeah so um you got to do what you got to do because at the end like you're responsible for your chickens so right yeah not anybody else like heck yeah they don't they don't get to judge you on that right I was super tempted to bring the chickens and the goats into my basement, but my husband, <laughs> A, would have never allowed that. And B, I would have been setting a really poor example because I, we do what we do now. Like, I really needed to, like, put my money where my mouth was and trust that that <laughs> we've done the right things and that we're giving the right advice. And, yeah. 
Yeah. So that so that went out eventually. And I'm glad. I'm glad because now I feel better. <laughs> Good. Now it's like, gosh, the animals can handle the rest of the winter just fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. The rest of the winter. I mean, heck, we put a door on that uh, goat barn. And I'm half tempted to just start making the goats live outside so that I can stop mucking a barn stall. <laughs> Aww. But hey, Poxatoni Phil did not see his shadow. So that means only like six weeks left or something like that. Um, it means early spring, but I yeah. don't know what exactly it means. Just early spring. I don't know how much longer winter lasts, but. Okay. So if he sees a shadow, it means it's a bad omen for six more weeks of bad weather. Okay. So that means spring is a coming. Sweet. Fingers crossed. God, that is a fat groundhog. <laughs> <laughs> He's so cute. Okay. Moving on. Do your chickens suffer from rusting beak face? Make them peck, peck, grin when you open your Henny and Roo subscription box together. This monthly box is put together by chicken keepers for chicken keepers and their flock. Each month, you'll try products not available at your local feed store, build your poultry first aid kit, try new treats, and coop products to keep your flock healthy and happy and enjoy carefully selected gifts for yourself. And you can save 10% off of your first box using code Drink and Farm. Pay monthly or save by selecting a 3, 6, or 12-month subscription option. Visit the shop to purchase select items and save 10% off everything as a subscriber. And we just saw a sneak peek for March, and it includes a Koozie brand insulated lunch bag. Yeah, I'm totally going to be converting my work lunch bag from my old one to this one. And I'm going to be using mine to bring cold beers out to the garden in the summertime because I don't have to pack a lunch. Touche. So make sure you go to honeyandrue.com to check all of this out. And honeyandrue.com is better chicken keeping delivered. So I have something kind of funny to share with you. What? I've been making a lot of sourdough bread lately because I mm. ordered a sourdough starter from uh, Dirty Knees Farm. Uh, I know <sighs> I can make my own sourdough starter, but I haven't been super successful with sourdough in the past. And I ordered a wooden spoon and spatula set from her. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to order her sourdough starter also so that I can see like what a real sourdough starter is supposed to behave like. So I have like mm-hmm. a something to compare my future sourdough starters to. Hers is awesome. I've been making sourdough all week. But uh, Can you just send me some sourdough? That would make Matt super happy. He loves sourdough. Yeah, I made sourdough English muffins this morning. <sighs> so we've got English muffins for the whole week. Yeah, I'll totally package some up and send it to you. Or I'll just make a ton before you come out and I'll send you home with them. <laughs> yes, he'd love that as his little bribe for having to do all the chores by himself. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, but I made some sourdough sandwich bread the other day. And uh, my husband's been working a lot, so we've been, like, kind of, like, passing ships. But he was actually out there while I was getting things, like, put away and cleaned up from it. My 13-year-old, Orion, he came up to me, and he was like, hey, Mom, can I have a piece of that sourdough before you put it away? I was like, yeah, you can have it, but do you mind taking the heel? And he was like, oh, yeah, no problem. So I chopped the heel off and gave it to him. My husband looked at me, and he's like, so why do you have to chop the heel off of the sourdough before you put it away? And I looked at him, and I was like, because it won't fit in the bag if I don't chop the heel off. And he's like, oh, 
well, geez, you could have just like made something up. I thought that you were going to like school me on some sort of really important sourdough thing. Like it was going to blow up if you put it in the bag, like with the heels Or on. it can't breathe. <laughs> or it can't breathe. Yeah. He's like, it's just going to die. <laughs> he's like, I thought that there was something that like you had to do or else sourdough would like go bad. <laughs> Oh my god! I was like, nope, but gallon Ziploc bags just only hold a loaf so big. <laughs> you could have said, yeah, if I don't chop off the heel, the mold will happen. You know, will just take over. Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> it'll suffocate and die and shrivel up, and sourdough will be no more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. could have gotten really dramatic. <laughs> I know. Well, and, and now I'll be prepared. Next time I will do that because he's like. Oh. He's like, I thought that I was like connecting with you like over the sourdough bread and you were going to teach me how to do something because <laughs> nope, we've been kind of like passing ships and I'm like, no, I'm just tired and needed to put this bread away. So I made the kid eat the heel so that I didn't have to throw it away. <laughs> Sometimes things are just as simple as they look. <laughs> yep, it's true. It's so true. <laughs> so coop camp dates have been announced. Yay! I'm so excited. You know why? Because not only are we going to meet so many cool people, it's going to be so much warmer. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm super looking forward to June at this point. I'm looking forward to getting to meet a lot of listeners. I'm getting for looking forward to getting to meet like people that we've interviewed on the show. It's like going to be awesome all around. Yes. So if you want to join us at Coop Camp, those dates are June 7th through 9th, and it's in the Indianapolis era. Era? La, la, la. <laughs> it's in the Indianapolis area. Um, apparently, it's on a fairground, and there's going to be a goat show happening that weekend, too. So it's like double bonus. Um, so you can go to www.fadedjeans.tv slash coop-camp.html. We'll put that in the show notes as well so you don't have to remember all that but you can go buy your tickets right now for that come hang out with your favorite podcasters yeah which is us right i hope (laughs) and uh be sure and take our survey there's a link to that in the show notes you can give us some anonymous feedback um use it to make uh you know suggestions for topics or use it to tell us you really hated something we talked about or really loved something we talked about just take our survey give us feedback we want it yeah maybe we're too apologetic too non-polarizing too nice maybe we swear too much you can tell us there and we won't know who you are exactly (laughs) and make sure you join our facebook group um if you search we drink and we farm things it'll come up that will also link to us in the show notes we have over 100 people in there and it's a pretty good time it was really cool to see everybody like kind of struggle busting through the polar vortex with us It, it was like camaraderie happening in the group so make sure you go check that out yeah, and be sure and review us in all the places. And if you really like us, subscribe and download mm-hmm. the episode when you listen. Um, because subscribing and downloading, those are all real numbers that we have that we can use to get more sponsors, which helps make this podcast continue. Right. It's a great free way to support us. If you want to buy stuff from us, though, too, we do sell merch. We have a store where I make a lot of the things, and you can go check that out at drinkandfarm.com shop. But then you also have an option 
at drinkandfarmmerch.com for shirts, hoodies, camping cups, hooray, stuff that Sam doesn't make that is still pretty kick-ass. I'm wearing a sweatshirt with the newer logo on it. It's super comfy. And I love it. Nice. I'm wearing a tank top with the newer logo on it. We're so matchy-matchy. And we didn't even know it. Yeah. (laughs) And don't forget to send us your farm stories. If you have a story from your farm that you think fellow listeners will laugh at or learn from or just warm their hearts, we want to hear it. So send them to us uh, via direct message on Instagram. Or you can email them to us at drinkandfarm at gmail.com. Yeah. So thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, it's been fun. So drink. Farm. And and give give zero zero clucks. clucks. Bye, guys. Bye.